This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast and we're going to start off today with some very big news from Gillingham Football Club. Chairman Paul Scully has announced he's taking an extended break. He's been at the helm at Priestfield for the past 27 years, but says their relegation to League Two at the end of last season has been painful. Medway businessman Paul Fisher will take over as co-chairman and chief exec until a long-term decision is made. Well, here's more from our Gillingham reporter, Luke Cordell. Sunday's news was a bit of a shocker that Paul Scally has decided to uh, stand aside as chairman of football club, but it's not entirely a surprise, I suppose. Only a few years ago, he threatened to quit because of the abuse he was receiving, and that's not gone away. Um, only last week they were losing at Wimbledon, there were chances chance of Scally out from the away end. Um, he wasn't there, he wasn't there on Saturday as the Jills bounced back with a win against Rochdale. Um, Scully's certainly enjoyed some good times as chairman, but those good times were a long time in the past now. Um, it shouldn't be forgotten how he oversaw a rise to the Championship and the club's best ever finish in the Football League, including some memorable cut runs and the transformation of the home ground, but... Um, since relegation from the second tier in 2005, there's not really been much to cheer about. Um, there's been a couple of promotions, but three relegations as well since then. And this season, they're starting back in the bottom division, the Football League, where it all began for Scally back in 1995. He had a dream of moving to a new stadium that never materialised. He was chasing investment that they really needed to make that a reality, and that's never happened either. He once talked about Premier League football, but that dream has for too long looked more like a fantasy. He's talking of an extended break and that it's not quite a final farewell, but did add that it may well be the ultimate conclusion of the next few months. He's put the club's former finance director Paul Fisher in charge as co-chairman and CEO while he decides on his next move. There's been division on the terraces in recent years. The club's been heading in the wrong way and change needed to happen. It's happened at the top and fans will be hoping Mr Scully's decision to stand aside means better times are ahead. You can let us know what you think by commenting on the story on Kent Online or via our socials. And coming up later on in the episode today, we'll have details on Gillingham's game at the weekend. Plus, you can hear from manager Neil Harris. Kent Online News. Some crime news now and a Margate man who threatened to have his ex kidnapped after she ended their relationship has been jailed. John Nolan also tried to get his victim wrongly arrested before telling officers he planned to stab her. The 26-year-old from Norfolk Road has been locked up for more than two and a half years. An Ashford man who smashed up an Indian restaurant when his card was declined after running up a £170 tab has avoided going to prison. Jack Malt from Newenden Close also punched the owner of the Indian diner on Lower High Street when it happened in October 2020. The 29-year-old told a court he'd acted like an idiot. He's been told to pay £1,000 in compensation and do 30 days of probation. An attention-seeking Ramsgate mum who made a load of bogus 999 calls has been sent to prison for two years. Charlotte Wilkinshaw called emergency services more than 30 times, pretending to be the victim of a crime or in need of urgent help. The 44-year-old from Lancaster Close had previously been given a court order banning her from dialing 999 unnecessarily. And a Kent man and woman who abused their baby so badly he had to have both legs amputated are set to be released from prison. 
24-year-old Jodie Simpson and 47-year-old Anthony Smith, who are both from Maidstone, have served half their 10-year sentence for cruelty to Tony Hudgel. His adoptive mum says she's sickened after being told they're due to be let out this month. Now, as the cost of living crisis continues to rise, a Kent charity is warning of a homelessness crisis. The Conservative leadership candidates Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss are both being urged to deal with financial pressures if they become Prime Minister. It's because recent figures show 46 million people in Britain say the cost of living for them has increased. And Canterbury-based Porchlight reckon there were over 2,400 households at risk of homelessness in Kent in the first three months of this year. Well, Chris Thomas is from the charity and has been speaking to our reporter, Sean Delaney. Yeah, it's it's quite a worrying time for Porchlight, actually. Um, we're, we're working with uh, people who are sleeping on the streets and we're seeing um, over the past few months that the numbers of, of people sleeping rough, they're starting to rise. Um, we also work with a lot of people who are at risk of losing their homes or, or, or maybe sort of like sofa surfing or have unstable accommodation. And... Um, the numbers of, of people who need help in that area are, are really, really going up. And that's probably attributed to the, the cost of living, for one thing. And uh, I'm sure you remember that uh, during um, the pandemic, uh, there was a ban put on evicting people from their rented homes. Um, and since that ban's been lifted, we've been seeing more and more evictions. What kind of things are sort of being uh, done then to try and help those people? Because obviously it's a very difficult time. Uh, money is in short supply for a lot of people. What what, what sort of things are Portrait like doing to try and help support people who are, you know, at, perhaps at risk of losing, losing their home? We've always worked with people at risk of losing their homes and that's still happening. So, you know, we'll go out and we'll try and help them resolve any situations, uh, uh, you know, debt, um, help them access benefits, maybe liaise with, with a landlord. Um, so that work's still going on, but the amount of people who need that help is is rapidly increasing. And, um, you know, it's, it's becoming really difficult to help everyone that we need to. And so what we're seeing is, um, you know, rents are being pushed up, uh, landlords are selling up, um, and there's a lot of people um, in Kent who just can't afford to live anymore. We're, we're sort of looking down the barrel of a homelessness crisis. Are, are there other specific, you know, things that people are struggling with? It, you know, whether it be the cost of uh, food in the supermarket, is there problems in terms of the in terms of accessing, you know, in the jobs market? Are there, are there set reasons why people are falling into that um, into that sort of in, into that catch-all term? There's a lot of different things that happen. There's a lot of different reasons, um, but you know, we're hearing from people who. Uh, skipping meals and, and and not using their electricity because they they can barely afford to pay rent or, or you know using credit cards and, and getting into debt just to cover the basics um and then uh, something that happens as well when you're in that situation it really impacts on your mental health um and in turn you know if you've got really poor mental health that could hamper your ability to hold down a job or, or find a new job. So it just creates a new set of problems for people. Um, and 
yeah, it's just, it's just really worrying with the amount of people who are in a really difficult position. The, the typical sort of image of homelessness may have been that, you know, that person perhaps, you know, um, you know, cl- un, uh, you know, not clean shaven, sleeping in a, uh, a sleeping bag, rough because they haven't got a physical place to go. Um, but homelessness is obviously so much more than that now because there's so many other people from anecdotal evidence suggests that they're being swept up in that and that they're having to seek out, you know, as you said, sofa surfing or emergency shelters. I don't know if you can speak to me about what you're sort of hearing on the ground about the sort of other types of people, you know, young people, or older people, perhaps, or, um, you know, people coming out of the army, you know, people who are struggling and falling into that, um, that, that, that term of homelessness more than the typical rough sleeper. We hear from quite a few women who are made homeless and they are forced to sofa surf sometimes or stay with someone um, who doesn't have their best interests at heart um, and put themselves in quite a dangerous position because uh, it's between that and ending up on the streets. The, the, the other thing about this whole situation is, you know, we, we, we hear figures, homelessness figures, um, how many people are sleeping rough in Kent, how many people are sleeping rough in the country. But the, the true scale of homelessness is probably a lot higher because you have people sofa surfing and, and, and staying with people who they shouldn't really be staying with. Um, but that makes it impossible for us to really know the true scale of um, how many people are out there. Another charity working to help those who become homeless is Gravesham Sanctuary. They've put in plans to convert a building into a seven-bedroom house of multiple occupancy. It'll provide individual rooms for occupants, communal facilities, as well as staffing areas. Well, Sam Griffiths is their general manager and has also been speaking to Sean. The cost of living has been horrendous um, for, for affecting people, especially people sort of, that might have been sitting near the line already before this. Um, and it's, it's actually... It's not always necessarily just the financial pressure, but it's that financial pressure bleeds into other areas of life. So one one common thing that, that can often lead to homelessness is things like relationship breakdown or dependency on alcohol or a lot a lot of other things like this that normally somebody might be able to keep in check or be able to have a control of their life. And because of the fin- financial pressures that have been mounting, um, people have been looking for other places to turn. And so, you know, relationships might have broken down. People might have um struggled in something that has always been such a a solid rock in their life um their career things like this with with that going out of control because of covid um a a lot of people we've been having coming into our day center have just been struggling day to day with with the mounting pressures that the whole the world's throwing at them at the moment um and yeah the financial crisis is, is one of the top ones at the moment yeah, and uh, I guess the other factor in that is obviously is that at its core is a sort of a housing problem and things as well. And um, one of the things that I understand uh, the Gravesham Sanctuary is in working with its partners, including the the, the local council, Gravesham Council, um, is to try and find some sort of places, you know, for people to start to rebuild their lives because it can be as, as important as night shelters are to offer that emergency support for people. Um, it can sometimes, I understand from speaking to people, be difficult to start taking those steps to address problems in their lives, whether they be financial or dependency issues or, or breakdowns, what they are before they've got a sort of stable block to try and tackle those issues. Sure, yeah. So one of the things Grove from Sanctuary has always been so big on is not just um, taking people off the street and, and putting them in in a, a house temporarily, but about rebuilding lives and restoring some hope um, and giving them, you know, a, a long-term plan and a, a future to get their own place. Um, and over over the course of COVID, um, a couple of years ago, we 
so going back to sanctuary's history, we used to sleep people in a communal area, communal space, um, and we, we could have 10, 20 people in a room on camp beds, uh, sleeping bags, um, as a way to get them off the street during the worst weather, during the winter uh, mainly, um, provide them with some meal and some community. Um, then when COVID hit a couple of years ago, we actually moved away from the communal sleeping due to the governmental guidelines, and we, we had a, a 10 bedroom house that we rented. Um, and this, this was given with, with aid of the council as well. Um, and we were able to put 10 people in individual bedrooms, um, over the course of COVID. Um, now that really obviously helped with the COVID situation, um, being able to isolate people and not, not have lots of people communal sleeping together. We also found it had a huge impact on things like mental health and wellbeing. Um, that actually it was hugely beneficial to people having their own space, their own security, um, and having almost a bit bit of a sense of normal life again, having their own room. You can read Sean's special report today on homelessness by heading to the website. You can also use the interactive map there to see how many people are at risk of losing a roof over their head where you live. We've also got details there on who to contact if you're one of those affected. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Kent is expected to be as hot as Bermuda this week as another heat wave hits the county. The village of Frittenden near Tunbridge Wells recorded the highest temperature in the UK yesterday. Well, a health warning's been issued and a hosepipe ban will come into force across a large part of the county on Friday following one of the driest summers on record. Dr Anjan Ghosh is Kent's Director of Public Health. Firstly, check on your uh, neighbours, friends, relatives who might be vulnerable, who might be elderly. So that's one thing. Uh, for people in those situations, uh, there are three key pieces of advice. So the first is stay cool, stay hydrated and be prepared. So in order to stay cool, uh, avoid hot, the heat, avoid direct sunlight, stay in the shade. Uh, make sure your house is cool, so that's by proper ventilation, putting down the blinds when there's too much sun coming in. Uh, stay hydrated means taking lots of water, uh, plenty of fluids, uh, just to make sure that you don't feel that hot. Um, and the last thing is to be prepared, so if there are people who need medications, uh, make sure that they're stocked and they have them in place. For any further information, do check the council website at kent.gov.uk. Meantime, there have been more wildfires in Kent as the hot dry weather continues. Three hectares of cornfield caught a night in Boxley near Maidstone yesterday. Another crop blaze also broke out in Shaun, not far from Gravesend. Crews are urging us to be extra careful as temperatures are expected to remain high, as we mentioned this week. And new images have emerged showing the devastation caused when fire swept over Dartford marshes. The pictures, which you can see at Kent Online, also show how the historic Wells Firework Factory has been wiped out by last month's blaze. Dartford Council say they're working to assess the area to see what can be done to restore the Martians' habitat. Staying in Dartford and thousands of homes have been left without water after a burst main caused two sinkholes. Now, they opened up on Priory Road yesterday and we're told the street was completely flooded by the time engineers arrived. Thames Water have apologised for the disruption and say they're working to get supplies back to normal. You can see pictures of that sinkhole by heading to the story at Kent Online. And this is what Thames Water have had to say in full. Their statement states, thanks for letting us know about low water pressure and no water in DA1, DA2 and DA9. Our specialist engineers have 
now arrived in area and are working hard to get your water supply back to normal as quickly as possible. We're really sorry if this has disrupted your day. As soon as we have an update, we'll let you know. They then issued another statement which said, we're sorry to customers in the Dartford area who had no water or low pressure than normal last night due to a burst pipe. Our engineers have shut in the burst and customers should be back in supply. Now, there are plans for a 20 mile per hour zone in Herm Bay to try and slow down so-called boy races. Some people in the town say fast drivers are leaving them scared to leave their homes. Plans are now underway to reduce the limit between Central Parade and the railway line. Now, this is something Councillor Dan Watkins spoke to the podcast about last year. This is what he had to say at the time. So I think in Herne Bay, we do have an issue. Uh, other towns in Kent have a similar issue. Um, and, you know, ranges from, as you say, um, um, sometimes younger drivers, if it was a stereotype, uh, going, you know, very dangerous speeds. Uh, not just going a bit over 30. We're talking about 40, 50, 60 uh, we had these speed surveys done, Nicola, on, on some of the main streets in, in Herm Bay last month. That the top speed I noticed was 90 miles per hour. I mean, this is this is so reckless, so dangerous. Um, so that is that is a challenge. But I think it's even beyond those dangerous drivers. There are a lot of people who are going maybe five or ten miles per hour over a 30 mile per hour zone, and even 30 mile per hour does actually feel quite fast if you're walking down the pavement. Um, and you've just got a stream of traffic, cars passing at that speed, that does feel, um, you know, like a little bit uncomfortable at times. Kent Online reports. New road signs near one of Canterbury's most photographed landmarks have been branded hideous and an eyesore. On the website, you can see the red and yellow notices that have been put in place near the Westgate Towers. Well, the signs will be there until next year. The county council say it's the only place they could go to meet regulations. Also on the site, you can see what part of Hive could eventually look like if plans to redevelop the site of a former Aldi store are given the go-ahead. Planners have been back to the drawing board after the original designs for land off the high street were branded as unacceptable. If it is given the go-ahead, it'll see 35 flats built along with space for new shops. More than 300 people have signed a petition calling for a seafront footpath in Hythe to be reopened. The route between the Royal Military Canal and the beach has been fenced off as part of work on the controversial Prince's Parade housing development. Residents say it's frustrating during the summer holidays, but council bosses insist they have to prioritise safety. A Folkestone mum says she's unable to mourn at the loss of her baby after she keeps being told to remove a fence around the grave. Little Ava was born asleep in July last year and laid to rest at Hawkins Cemetery. Now, Holly Bourne signed an agreement not to install a fence, but changed her mind after seeing other plots at the site. And the 23-year-old doesn't think it's right. Now that a year has passed since she was taken from us, my brain imagines what she would look like now. And yet these higher-up people that are making these silly rules don't give us a second thought. We are dust in their statistics. We are nothing compared to these higher-up people and they are using their power to hurt people. No one deserves to have their baby taken away from them and no one especially deserves to have to fight for their baby to have their well-deserved cot. Now, to them, it's just a fence, but to us, 
Ava's garden is our everything. The council say fences mean the lawn area can't be cut properly and the rules are made clear. Kent Online reports. Kent Hospitals caused a bit of controversy after announcing it's going to charge for baby scan photos. From September the 1st, parents-to-be going for routine scans at the Maidstone and Tunbridge Wells NHS Trust will have to fork out either five, seven, or £10. There won't be any refunds for bad images either. Well, you can let us know what you think by voting in the poll within the story at Kent Online. We're asking, should baby scan photos be free? 45% of you say yes, it's wrong to make money and 55% say no, the NHS is struggling and it's not essential. So quite a close vote. You can let us know what you think by heading to the story. More than a 1,000 people have signed a petition calling for food vouchers to be reinstated for parents in a part of Kent during the holidays. Medway Council decided not to give them to low-income families whose children qualify for free school meals. Instead, they're running summer schools which provide a meal. But local Labour leader Vince Maple says there wasn't enough notice. One of the things certainly we've heard from uh, residents, whether it's parents or grandparents, is they're absolutely concerned uh, at the timescale of how families have been told about this decision. Some were told the week before schools broke up, so even if they wanted to put alternative things in place, that simply wasn't possible. Uh, some have been told to try and get along to Medway Go, and actually accessing that has been quite difficult. So even if you supported the council's principle, and we're, we're not against Medway Go as a concept, but that shouldn't be the only way for people to be able to access support. And we're really clear that actually the council needs to think again urgently, uh, ideally to get something in place for this summer, but if, if they can't do that, and we urge them to, but if they can't do that, to get something in place to make sure that we don't end up in this situation moving forward. Children shouldn't be going hungry in Medway in 2022. That's unacceptable. And we've heard, let's say, from parents, from, from residents who perhaps even don't have children, but they know the basic concept of saying, should children be going hungry in Medway over the school holidays? The answer is no. Details about the Medway Go programme and additional help through the Housing Support Fund are on the council's website. Follow Kent Online on socials today to see pictures of an historic fountain in Ashford, which has been described by residents as filthy. It's in Victoria Park, but the water's gone green and it's full of litter. It's set to be returned to its former glory next year when four and a half million pounds is spent on the park. Weatherspoon has scrapped plans to build a two and a half million pound hotel on the seafront in Herne Bay. Now, the chain had announced plans to have 20 rooms above the Saxon Shore pub on Central Parade, but that's now been dropped. However, they are looking at extending the customer area upstairs. Kent Online News. The most expensive roads in every Kent town have been revealed. The average price of a property on the Nightingales in Biddenden, for example, is a whopping £1.7 million, while homes on the Lees in Herne Bay will set you back an average of just under 800000 Details for where you live are on the website. Bosses at Kent's biggest shopping centre have told the podcast they're planning even more adrenaline-filled attractions. Last week saw the launch of Europe's largest swing at Blue Water, which features a 46-metre drop and reaches speeds of up to 80 miles per hour. It sits alongside England's longest zip wire, which opened last summer. While our intrepid reporter Alex Langridge went along to have a go on the new swing and also caught up with centre director James Wall. We're absolutely delighted. This is the second attraction that we've got of this type. So Zipwire was last year and today's been all about the, uh, the swing. 
the tallest or the highest swing in, uh, in, in Europe, 47 meters. Very exhilarating. I did it this morning myself. Terrifying, but great fun. And obviously, as you say, kind of this is the second sort of attraction of this kind at Blue Water. We've got a couple more coming this summer. Um, what does it mean, kind of, for Blue Water? And it's a, rather than a shopping destination, but more of a yeah. So Blue Water is about, about having a, an exhilarating day out. It's uh, retail and restaurants. Everybody's familiar with that at Blue Water, but we've got a huge outside space, and we want to use that. And so, using it for this type of attraction, um, and as you say, this this is the this is the second. We've got a uh, the next thing is going to be our skydive simulator, uh, that working closely with the Hangloos team. Uh, it's, it's, that will be number three, and we've got plans for a couple of others as well, which, are, which will happen in the next 18 months. So I guess it's trying to also take it, uh, Blue Water, from sort of what everyone thinks of it, the <coughs> shopping centre, to more of a day out and a kind of fun for everyone. You can spend your whole day here. You can go on the attractions, you can go shopping, restaurants, is that the kind of thing you're trying to... Yeah, I think that the thing is, um, the Blue Water, we've always had this, uh, and people locally are very familiar with what we have outside, but it's, uh, it's, about, it, it's not just about shopping, it's about spending a day. So this gives people the opportunity, even if, they, even if they just spend their time here, even if they just enjoy what we've got outside, that's another reason why uh, uh, to come to Blue Water. And Harry Styles has made it a second week at number one on the Kent Top 40 on our sister radio station KMFM with his single Late Night Talking. Calvin Harris's Stay With Me is still at number two with Stay The Night by Sigala at three. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham have got their first win of the season. They beat Rochdale 1-0 at Priestfield on Saturday following an opening day defeat to AFC Wimbledon. Gillingham manager Neil Harris spoke to us after the match. The first hour I thought was very good. You know, I thought some of, the, some of the play was exceptional. Decision making was good. I thought we pressed really well. When we had the ball, I think we, we, looked, we looked like a team threatening to score goals. Um, and then when we got a little bit sloppy and a little bit nervy maybe in the last sort of 25 minutes, I thought we defended our box really well. And, and ultimately, Glenn hasn't had to save to make in, in 90 minutes. Um, we wanted to start positively here. We, we wanted to show the fans over the course of 90 minutes, but in particular in, in periods, that we, we want to be a good team. We can be a good team. Um, so I've seen it on the training pitch, translating it onto the pitch. And you know, today... Certainly, first half. Certainly, first first hour we were very good. Last week, there was loads of things I was really pleased pleased with. Um, we, we we probably lacked both boxes. Um, we conceded from a set play last week, or two set plays really, or two restarts, one being a throw in. Today we scored from one, and that's the importance of League Two of, of set plays and being very good at them. Um, I thought we went to really good areas. I thought John Green, Ben Reeves, Scott Kashka were so bright. Um, Ollie coming from deeper at times was really positive as well. And and we've seen if we put the ball in the box, the big man will get on the end of it in Mika. Um, or, or Lewis Walker is very, very good at attacking crosses. So we have to get in the right areas to get balls in the box. Um, Pleased with a clean sheet. You know, to have that mentality not to concede. Um, and I just think it's really important that we started with, with, with a win at home. It was a tough, tough year last year for all involved at the football club. I was only here for four months, but you, you guys, uh, the players that are still here, the, the, the chairman and the board, but the supporters as well, 
They're really, really tough. So you know, I'm not saying we're going to win every game here, but I think really important today that we've got three points. The Jills head back to AFC Wimbledon tomorrow night for their first Carabao Cup match. It's the final day of the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England, second in the medal table behind Australia. Several Kent athletes have added to that tally, including Thanet table tennis player Ross Wilson, Maidstone gymnast James Hall and Canterbury hockey player Grace Ballston. In cricket, Kent have suffered a home defeat to Hampshire in the One Day Cup. The Spitfires only managed 233 runs at Beckenham yesterday after the visitors posted an impressive score of 396. It means Kent have lost two out of three games in the competition so far this season. They travelled to take on Essex on Thursday. And a Dover woman is hoping to swim between Northern Ireland and Scotland in a bid to complete the British Triple Crown of Channel Swims. Sarah Philpott has already swum the Bristol Channel and English Channel but is now preparing for her biggest challenge challenge. Very few people have completed the 21 miles because the water is so cold and there are loads of jellyfish. She's got until Wednesday to try and do it. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and you can get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.